In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. This is the spirit of Paul Brown from the wonderful country of Dubai. I'm riding my e-bike in my Union Jack shorts, standing underneath the Burj Khalifa. Psych. Ian, sorry, accent's terrible, but Paul is in fact, he did jump in to give us a little bit dose of an EDM concert. Uh, so we thought we'd have the luxury of the, the streak getting back. Paul's in Dubai, likely having one hell of a time with his mates. But uh, I did, you know, I did scrounge up somebody to join us today. Jack, what's going on, buddy? Yeah, scraping the barrel, you end up back with me. So I apologize for that in advance. Well, now that you're the big Twitter celebrity after your 73 thread age thing that everybody seems to have taken, uh, taken, I woke up and I was like, why do I have so many Twitter notifications? And I was like, well, Jack's been in uh, the spreadsheets. That's for sure. Yeah. So just to touch on that, by all means, go over to my Twitter and check it out. I, I've gone through it's 125 players um, that Andrew Berry has signed, extended, drafted. Um, we're talking dudes that he's just added to the practice squad. All of their age profile, height profile, uh, weight, their relative athletic scores, how they did at the combine, all that information's there. Um, where the dude was initially drafted, whether they came in as a UDFA or like a Tack McKinley, who was a first rounder, and then we uh, recycled them. Um, so all of that information, because as sort of Ian's touched on the show before, of like, hey, roughly 260 pounds, the size of like an edge rusher, um, all of that built into more information. So we've obviously, we know about the age as a thing for the team. Yes, they use GPS data rather than relative athletic score, but all that sort of stuff is our version on the outside. And it's just putting that all together. So when it comes to draft time, if you're going, well, let's draft this size of center or defensive tackle or edge, and suddenly it's like 20 pounds heavier or lighter than any dude they've ever added, you're probably in the wrong realm. Listen, I think I'll speak a little bit to this. So we're just talking statistics, right? So listen, does that mean that the Browns are never going to draft somebody that's 23 years old in the first round? No, it does not mean that. What it means is there's trends. So right when we talk about the Browns guardrails, we talk about D Podesta, what you're doing is you're identifying trends and saying, okay, is there a statistical probability that the Browns will draft somebody younger over somebody that's older. Yes. But at some point there's a cutoff. Do I take a guy that I have as a 21 year old second round grade versus a 22.5 year old, somebody that has a first round grade. Well, the Browns are going to take the older person. Don't just because like, you know, I see this happening with the wide receivers right now. So Drake London's age comes out. The guy's, you know, a month into being 21. And it's like, now he's wide receiver. Number one. Well, no, that doesn't necessarily mean that. That just means that an attribute to Drake London is the fact that he's 21 years old. 
Whereas Garrett Wilson's 22 years old, Jack, we're not just Jack and I were just having this discussion versus, you know, how much of a big difference is it that one's 21.1 and one's 22.1. So to me, it's insignificant at certain positions. So I wouldn't always use that as like, this is my go hard, go home, like write it in red ink. It's going to happen just because of an age. I think it's just another qualifier, you know, relative athletic score, GPS data, right? So when you look at Tyreek Hill and you say, why isn't he running an Anthony Schwartz speed? Well, because the GPS data between the two of them is different. We're not talking straight line speed. We're not talking about guys running the 400. So these are just things to add to the equation. They're not necessarily replacing Andrew Barry and his scouting staff. Maybe him and Glenn Cook look and see, hey, man, Garrett Wilson is our number one wide receiver and Drake London's a second rounder. Okay, what that may mean is they say George Karloftis is our number one edge on the board. Let's take him and then see if we can get Drake London at the second round. You know, people said this about JLK. He'll never be there. You have no idea. There could be five wide receivers, you know, in the second round that we were looking at going, which one do we want? You don't know. So don't put all of your eggs in the basket of age or a specific category in Excel that you like to sort. Put it all together like Jack did. It was a beautiful picture of saying, here are trends. Here are similarities. Here are things to look for. When you have two guys with a first round grade, Browns, maybe you'll put this guy up a, a notch because he's two years younger. That's to clarify the whole thing there because it was a fantastic thread. Shout out to you, Jack. I'm glad you got a lot of impressions on that one because it was a lot of things people needed to know. But now let's hope we don't manipulate the data too much. Yeah, and just one on the ages, if you're thinking, oh, well, I've, I've seen different age trends. Those are the ages based on week one of the next NFL season. And that, that's where I pull my age data from, just because I don't just look at draft. I look at free agents and everything else. So uh, it's always week one of the coming season. So when we say Drake London 21.1, that's his age in September um, for the middle. So, um, yeah, that's where that is. Um I did it last year on age and relative athletic score, which was sort of the big board um, and put all the players in there that fit the, the two categories. Um, obviously, they're two things that are completely irrelevant when it comes to quarterback. So don't even look at those. Um, they're happy to go older with those. But we'll get into that um, stuff later. Once we get free agency out of the way, we'll, we'll do a lot more on draft and start chatting about those guys. Um, but today is all about the cornerbacks. Exciting yeah. position potentially are most stable. Yeah, I, that's what I was going to say. I was like, it's the one position where we may feel the most confident. It, it's the only position, if we said run it back, that I would go, that's, that's a, I'm happy with that. If you told me run it back in any other position without re-signing anyone, anything else, I would say you're mad. Um, because quarterback wouldn't want to do that with Keenum in there, running back, um, Potentially, a running back could be the alternative. Certainly not wide receiver, not a tight end with losing David Njoku, not with the O-line, um, wouldn't feel comfortable um, just because of what happened at tackle. Um, edge, certainly not. Defensive tackle, certainly not. Linebacker, no. Um, safety, no. Specialist, certainly not. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's one we can run it back, and that's the end of the show. <laughs> it. It's it's the one room where I think when Andrew Barry was part of that Brown staff that took Denzel Ward, I think it was the one room that they knew 
as the NFL evolves, it's a room you have to have consistency in. You have to, you know, a lot of companies talk about this, building up a pipeline, right? If you've ever been in sales, you talk about your pipeline of deals or you talk about your pipeline of information. The Browns know the cornerback is a, is a, you don't necessarily need to always go first round, but you need to have a healthy pipeline. So when a guy like AJ Green hits as a UDFA, man, you are just rocking and rolling because now you just have this plethora of riches. And in the cornerback position, you can't have it to where one injury harpoons your whole defense. The Browns have done an excellent job at balancing out the resources and giving themselves some flexibility. So if, you know, we've talked about it, Denzel Ward, in terms of playing a full season. Now we saw him a lot more this season. Thank you. I love you, Denzel Ward, for that, my guy. But, you know, one of his knocks going in this year was he just doesn't play every game. So if I lose Denzel Ward, I don't want to go from Denzel Ward to the 237th ranked quarterback that's filling in for him. Yeah, and how many DBs we've got, and I'm going to talk about DBs here rather than just corners because teams do it in different styles. You've generally got 10 on a roster. Um, yes, there's we spoke about on linebackers yesterday, the league's moving to more nickel and dime, but they're not increasing the amount of DBs at expense of linebackers just because they want to um, keep that special teams play that linebackers offer. Um, Jack, they're making linebackers into safeties. Yeah. That's what they're doing. I mean, Isaiah Simmons was the first one to come around, like where you have these linebacker safeties. So they're trying to say, how do we get that athleticism in the secondary? They're infusing that talent. No, it's certainly um, a direction. You can look at the size of people moving. And where is it sort of split? It's five or six corners generally, and then four or five safeties. It's almost to be really vague with it. It's like four outside corners, two inside dudes, and then four safeties um, and sort of perfect example. If you look at the Browns last um, season, Troy Hill and your MJ Stewart, those sort of interior guys um, that play a bit on the inside, but they want different skill sets and different stuff. So it's not quite a binary. If you look at your size and stuff of a Troy Hill versus a Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom, they are different body types. Yeah, and that's when you start talking about boundary corners versus inside corners. Now, one of the benefits that Denzel Ward has is his ability to play boundary or inside, right? So obviously Newsom is known as kind of a strictly boundary corner, right? If we're looking in the draft, you're talking about teams are going to be evaluating Stingley and these guys. These are boundary corners. You know, Stingley's highly rated and everything, but you're not going to draft him and stick to the slot. That's why this cornerback at 13 argument makes no sense to me because you have your boundaries, guys. You know, so for example, people say, well, Denzel Ward. Yeah, but I've got AJ Green. I've got Greedy Williams. I've got, I've got Newsom, Greedy, and AJ Green as boundary guys. And I've got Troy Hill and Ward as a hybrid guy. I have everything I need. Like, I, I get it. Teams are going to throw three and four wide receiver packages. That's fine. Please do. I've got I've got Delpit who's played corner. I've got John Johnson the third who played deep. I've got a plethora of riches. I've got seven guys, four corners, three safeties that I can use. You know, Delpit, MJ Stewart, highest ranked safety we had, and we'll talk about safeties differently. But the Browns secondary had so many chess pieces. I I just can't see any rhyme or reason you'd use a thirteen pick to bring another boundary in. It's the one area you're good. Yeah. So let's start off with the. The big name in the group, and it's obviously Stenzel Ward. Um, he's going to get paid this offseason. Um, it's going to be somewhere around the 20, 22 million a year. And to be fair, I'm happy they waited. 
Could they have got less money if they'd have done it last year? Yes. Would it have been risky because we we got a full year of health? I, I know, I think he missed a game. I don't know if it was COVID or something, but he was generally healthy last year and he performed to a really, really high level. The fact that you go, hey, pay the guy. We've got nothing else in the cornerback room really taking money. Get on to Troy Hill, but he's going to get paid a boatload of money and deservedly so. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about what a roster needs, every roster needs CB1. CB1 is where you got to have it, and you have that with Denzel Ward. I mean, that's just what he is. When he's out there, I mean, I know, listen, there's some chatter that goes on with people, and there's the one audio of him and Devontae Adams where they were kind of chatting it up a little bit, saying like, you know, hey, man, you're, you're pretty damn good. And he goes, how are you going to tell me that when you caught a pass on me? So that's how competitive Denzel Ward is, is that one of his you know peers looked at him and was like, damn, dude, like, you're legit. And Denzel wanted nothing to do with it. He's like, dude, I gave up a catch. Like, I'm not, we're not having that. And it looks like Denzel Ward missed week eight. Yeah, week eight. And week, no, 13 was our bye. Yeah, week eight, that was it. So to give so, you some dates, somewhere between the middle of July and the first week of August, you're going to see that contract extension happen. So that that's just to put some expectations on it. Don't expect it pre-draft or anything like that. Um, and come back to me when uh, I'm hopefully right. Um, that that's the time of year to keep an eye on. So, um, so yeah. give us those dates again, so we can hold you to it. So middle of July through till the first week. So first seven days of August. So okay, I'm giving so you a, th- a three, three week, week window. All right. You heard it here first. Tweet that out. We're going to let, we're going to let Paul uh, break the news if it happens, but yeah. So Denzel Ward, CB one, if you're going up against a guy and the, the crazy part about Ward is a lot of times the, the, the disadvantages a 5'11 cornerback would have is, is like when you go up against the Mike Evans or a big guy, they can sometimes get bullied a little bit, right? But with Ward, what's even crazier is, is he doesn't seem to be affected too much by those bigger receivers. He's got a good frame for it. I mean, this is a guy, I think he uh, finished last year with six pass breakups. Um, just overall, I, I don't know what his ranking was at the cornerback position, but it was you know pretty darn high. I mean, he was one of the, he finished with a 76.9 grade, um, which has to be near the top of the league. This is a guy that's multiversal. He can play inside, he can play outside. He can go up against bigger receivers. Now, not saying that Mike Williams isn't able to throw him off and chug him. And, you know, that was obviously AJ Green in that game, but um, not saying that sometimes good receivers that are bigger are going to make a play. That's that's impossible in today's NFL to say, we're going to have one guy completely shut a guy out, but you can't tell me that quarterbacks don't think twice when they look out and they see Denzel Ward lined up and go, that might not be my first read because he is a guy, he's quick on the ball. We saw that pick six against Burrow and uh, Jamar Chase. I mean, that's just what the guy brings. The guy brings top tier playing. And, you know, somebody tweeted me that the Browns cornerback uh, room was going to be under $22 million. And I'm like, um, Denzel Ward is going to get $22 million. So I'm not sure where they think that number is coming from because he's going to get paid like one of the best in the league because he is one of the best in the league. Yeah, that dude is going to get a lot of money and deservedly so. Um, so that then, hey, no one else is going to be on any money after this year, so it won't matter. We go to the other side, and that is Mr. Greg Newsom, who he, he had a good, good rookie year, and was nothing exceptional. Um, there was some ups and downs, but that's going to come with any player. Um, he did everything we expected and needed from him, and 
happy with that. Hopefully he continues that development. Um, he will see more targets than some guys might because he is going to be the, the dude opposite Denzel Ward. You're going to go, hey, I'm not going to throw at Denzel Ward. I'll throw at him. And um, he, he's mad enough to take it. So uh, it's a really, really nice position. If he plays well, Denzel gets his money this year. That's six years of Denzel. And then we sat there um, in a few years' time, what, four more years down the line, where you pay um, Newsom. And it wouldn't surprise me if they then try trade Denzel like one, two years left because he's like, eh, he's, he's old. And they've found the next uh, youngster to come in. Yeah, I mean, we know what happens. Unfortunately, corners don't stay at premier levels as long as maybe some other positions, you know, you guys like Stefan Gilmore, Josh Norman, these are guys that just, they just, it's almost impossible to try to compare like what you can do at your early stages in your career to what you can do in your later stages. That's why you'll see guys go to more zone schemes and stuff like that, because they just want to play a different style, which accents different talents. And the Browns, I think were in the market for a corner last year in the draft. And it just happened to be that, you know, the one they wanted fell to him. You know, I know that the Titans took another guy, uh, the guy out of Virginia, I don't remember his name, uh, Caleb Farley, uh, with an injury concern, and that left Greg Newsom. And Newsom came out adequate first year, you know, missed a few games with some injuries, and I'm sure that that's something we're going to watch. Just but the cornerback's positions is going to get beat up. That's just what it is. That's why you want that depth. But, you know, this is a guy that came out, had eight pass breakups on the year, gave up two touchdowns. I mean, that's, that's, that's not too bad. I mean, that's, that's pretty darn good. Now he's still waiting for his first career interception, but as we know, interceptions aren't always a result of the cornerback play. Cause a lot of times corner uh, interceptions come on tip passes or, you know, for example, in the super bowl, or I'm sorry, not in the super bowl in the chiefs game, it was Jesse Bates who made the beautiful pass breakup on Tyreek Hill. And then the ball was intercepted by Vaughn bell. So who does the interception go to? I mean, Jesse Bates made the insane play, but Von Bell just happened to be standing there to catch the ball. So I don't always look at interceptions as being necessarily a good marker of what the corner is, but you know, in a, in a 14 game or a 17 game season where Newsom missed five games and 12 games, having eight pass breakups, it's pretty good. And I think the Browns are set with those being your top two guys for the foreseeable future. Again, putting more weight into why you're probably not going to see them use first round capital this year because they did last year. And if, if you add that interceptions to pass breakups, you've got nine for Ward and eight for Newsom. So they're, they're doing the job. Obviously, there's more value to an interception, but it's a lot of luck. It's, it's stuff like sacks versus pressures. If you keep being a pain in the ass, that's all we need you to do the job. Um, because if you want to, if someone offered you the odds on a line on, say, Trevon Diggs, and his unders for interceptions next year, I'm betting the under every time because that is not going to happen again. Um, it's incredibly random. Did you see the stats, speaking of Trayvon Diggs, about how if you took away the interceptions, which I know that's the Dave Wanstead, if they didn't score 14 points, we'd have been right in the game, how bad his cornerback grade really was and how his number of times getting beat was higher than like significantly more. Like it was the literally boomer bust. The guy was either getting an interception on an underthrown ball or he was getting toasted. So it would just kind of went to show you like, you may have a few interceptions that mask some pretty awful cornerback play. And that's why I would react there with you. I'd put a mortgage payment down on Trayvon Diggs not getting as many interceptions next year, but I would put the over on touchdowns given up because I have a funny feeling teams are going to be like, uh, yeah, we can go after this guy. Yep. And that's the pair there. And then we get on to chat 
Troy Hill. This one is a little weird because no one, and that's slot corner. So we'll start with Troy Hill's name. I, I cannot find anywhere the actual details on his contract. So it's a messy one where four and a half million was guaranteed, um, which was his first year. And then everywhere I look, the second year appears to be guaranteed. So I don't know if a metric's been hit across the season or there were some delays in the guarantees or how it worked out. But effectively, if you look at over the cap and any other place, they're saying he's around for this second year. Um, and that's fine. Um, I, it was his worst year of his career. Um, to date, he was fine. Um, it was nothing special. It was nothing horrendous. But if you had the out, they'd probably take it. And we'll touch on it a bit more to, um, in the next show when we do safeties. Um, but I, I feel it could be a Troy Hill versus MJ Stewart sort of debate for a slot corner. Well, the question is, does MJ Stewart go does he come back? Right. That's, I mean, he's kind of tweeted his little farewell, which was interesting, but I think after it was that, I think it was the Patriots game where Troy Hill got that next stinger. I think they kind of shut it down. I don't know. I didn't get the full details on that one. I know he was released from the hospital and you know, he was kind of around, but I'd be curious what, what kind of the full extent was that on that one? Because he's consistently been a performing cornerback, um, obviously, I'm sure him and John Johnson are looking there going, my former team won the Super Bowl, which is always interesting. But again, doesn't that go to show that that pass rush is kind of important? Because maybe they got rid of John Johnson and Troy Hill, but they did bring in Vaughn Miller and a few other guys that rushed the passer, just saying, for the edge at 13 people like myself. Um, you would be able to boost the play of the secondary. And I have no issue. I don't think that if you look at Troy Hill's contract, I mean, what's he like, $3.3 million or $3.4 million or something next year? It's not very much. It's four and a half million each of the two years. So, yeah, I mean, that's for a, for a starting slot corner. And, you know, we talk about the Browns average. I think you said two and a half cornerbacks on the field at a time, which tells you that your third cornerback is out there 50% of the time for all the math people out there. Um, hence, again, why you don't draft cornerback at 13 because they're only going to play 50% of the snaps. I think that's my third point. So, my English teacher once told me once, so what, twice is a coincidence, three times you're onto something. There's my third one. Shout out, Miss Meyer. Um, but yeah, so I would fully expect if Troy Hill is healthy for him to be in the mix, if MJ Stewart wants to get his hat back in here and run that hybrid safety slash slot corner, I'd welcome him back. Uh, but yeah, it just shows that we haven't even talked about a second round pick from a few years ago, and we haven't talked about the highest graded guy in the Brown secondary and mm -hmm. we're three corners deep. And the, the, what I just want to touch on why I brought up MJ Stewart, MJ Stewart isn't going to want to take a one year prove deal with Cleveland because you're going to potentially come in and you're going to be caught, uh, DB6. And that's not a prove-it position. Um, and that's why I think when people are, oh, yeah, bring back MJ Stewart, it's like, yeah, I, I want to bring back MJ Stewart, but why would MJ Stewart want to come back? Obviously, yeah, if no one wants to give him an opportunity, then why not come back? But I think a lot would go into the discussion of, well, what role do you want me to take by coming back? And... Does, uh, does that rival what you can get? Because if another team's going to say, hey, we want you to be our cornerback three, DB five, even if it's a tiny little less money, you would take that for the opportunity to play. So um, keep an eye on that one. Here's, if, if the Browns go to MJ, and I know MJ Stewart's a little bit safety, so we're kind of crossing. He may be the one guy. But we already kind of know Ronnie Harrison's not coming back, right? So the Browns want to play three safeties. So if we're looking at it and say, all right, Richard LeCount, you're probably still about a year away. 
and we say, okay, we have John Johnson and Delpit, which we know are two of these guys. We know we have Warden Newsom. So there's your four guys. So in dime, obviously we're talking about bringing in that six DB. If they go to MJ Stewart and say, listen, you're going to be our third safety fourth corner. And that moves him up to say like DB five or six. I'm saying DB is in all of the secondary. There could be a 50% because a lot of times players will look at how many snaps am I going to play? performance, whatever, it doesn't matter. They want to know how often am I going to be on the field? And if the Browns say, well, 50% of the time we're running three corners and 50% of the time we're running three safeties, and you're going to take 50% of that 100 and you're telling them, I'm going to give you 500 snaps, or I'm going to give you, you know, half of our defensive stats. That's what he's going to go to the market with. He's going to go to the market and say, okay, you know, Denzel Ward last year was 855 snaps missing a game. I think the Browns on defense played about a thousand. If you go yeah. to, you know, go to MJ Stewart and say 50% of the time you're going to be out there, but you're going to be in these two different positions. So 25%, that's the way you're going to have to market it to MJ Stewart for him to want to come back. Yeah. 1,120 last year for defense. There you um, go. But that, and that's that discussion when it's not just a whole, Hey, he did really well here. He, he, did well playing 250 snaps isn't going to be something where he goes, yeah, I want to do that again. So, um, Jack, do you find it odd that he tweeted out that goodbye after his exit interview? No, that that for me doesn't um, judge too much. It's like, it sounded like he closed the book. uh, I I never feel it that way. I feel it more as a, Hey, take nothing for granted. You, You say you're moving on. And it could be the fact that they only really played him once Troy Hill went down. And he could sit there and go, yeah, I played really well in that opportunity, but nah, I, I need that fresh start where Troy Hill's back next year. And that could have been the discussion. Hey, we'd love to have you, but Troy Hill's get, money's guaranteed. It's, it's not going to work. And we don't want to pay you $2 million to be um, DB6. Um, that could easily be the discussion. So, um, no, I just wanted to touch on that because, yeah, he played a bit of safety. He, he can play that slot corner role and move around different places as well. So Troy Hill's locked in there. Next we get to a guy, potentially, could be a trade chip, and that's Greedy Williams. I, so, I was like, all right, you're going A or B. So I, once you said trade chip, I knew which way you were going. I, I, I think you have to rate him above um, that guy. If, if you looked for your third boundary corner, I, I would look to him next. Um, yeah, he had a... Really good year um, in terms of what I was expecting coming into this year. Um, but he is going into his fourth year. Where do you see him? Listen, I think obviously it was going into this fourth year with Greedy Williams. It was what can you get from him? Because coming off of the injury that he had the year prior with you know losing him and Delpit both in the same day, it was are we going to see Greedy Williams on the field again? I mean, they, remember they were very cryptic at front and shout out. I, I, listen, HIPAA, I understand what the Browns are doing there. It was a weird shoulder stinger thing that just didn't get better. And they kept like, Oh, he might come back. He might come back. He might come back. He might come back. And people are like, what the hell is going on? And then they finally shut it down. So you knew it was something that they were monitoring. And if there's one health system, I'm going to bet my money on it's the damn Cleveland clinic. So shout out to the Cleveland clinic over the people on you know social media that want to tell me they're doctors, but you could really see Greedy Williams start to get his confidence up this year. And it was good to see because going into the season, you didn't know if you'd see anything from him. And then with COVID and everything else that's going on, I mean, the fact is we got to see, you know, Greedy Williams out there for 15 out of the 17 weeks. And 
was it a little boom and bust? There's some weeks you're like, wow, he's playing really great. And then some weeks like, holy crap, that's not that great. I mean, yeah, you got Newsom coming in and out of the lineup as a rookie. You got Denzel Ward on the other side. So guess what, guys? They're going to throw at Greedy Williams. Hey, this is a guy there. You will think offenses were thinking the same thing. Week one, Kansas City's going, I'm sorry, I got Newsom, Ward, or Greedy. Well, he didn't play last year because of a neck, and he's a rookie. So those are the guys I'm going after. And it just showed. I mean, he was targeted. In the Chargers game alone, he was targeted 11 times. I mean, that's insane for a corner to be targeted 11 times, gave up seven catches, had a pass breakup, but graded out at a 78.5 against the Chargers. You know, it, it, it's one of those things. I'm, I'm looking at the games where he played meaningful snaps. Viking, 67 snaps, 86.4. One of, if not the highest graded, one of the highest graded corners. He's targeted five times. Chargers, 62 snaps, 78.5. Then Arizona, 54 snaps, 43.2. So there's your boomer bust. Pittsburgh, 74 snaps, 59.3. But then he comes back against Detroit and has a 79.7. So against Vegas, 69 snaps, 74.9. Next week against Green Bay, you're going against Aaron Rodgers, 28.5. So this is what you're getting. But I, if you're not going to use him as a trade ship, I look forward to seeing Greedy Williams out there as really my, you know, we'll call it next man up in terms of boundary. Yeah, we don't want to see we, we want Denzel Ward to do some play. <laughs> yeah, but but ultimately, he's my next man up in my boundary corners. And if that's my QB3 for the outside, I'm, I'm CB3, not QB3. CB3, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with that. Yeah. And then at the end of the season, if he wants to go anywhere, hey, maybe he wants an extension. I'll give him a little bit of money to stay around. I got no beef with Grady. Yeah, I think it's one where it's highly unlikely he gets extended. Purely from the angle of if he has a good year, someone is going to pay him to start. Um, and if he has a really bad year and loads of injuries, then we won't want him here. So I think I would put it comfortably below 10% chance that he gets an extension here. Um, just because I, I can only see it going one of the two ways that he's great and he's going to go get some money or he's not good and we don't want him. So, and that's the reason we'll get onto AJ Green next. And that's the reason why if they draft a guy, and I don't think it's going to be an early trade. I think it could be easily one through the draft or it could be, they wait all the way to camp and make sure no one else gets a knock or an injury. I just went through and looked at, hey, wide receiver, edge defender, defensive tackle, positions we could need. And when someone goes trade, they're like, oh, I don't want to pick for him. And I was like, no one's talking about a pick here. Almost take it back to the Ogba versus, um, who was we got off the Chiefs? Um, uh, Eric, Eric Murray, Murray, I believe. Yeah. Um, so if you draft a dude day two and three um, to develop, then potentially you start ringing some teams that they've got a player in the final year who no one's getting a superstar either way, but you go, Hey, we're not going to extend a corner because we've got too many. You're not going to extend this player because you might have an overwhelth there. So just some wide receivers. You don't have to tell me when he's jump off the page. I've literally just gone through dudes who are in their final year, wide receivers, Scotty Miller, Darius Slayton, Andy Isabella, Paris Campbell, JJ Sega Whiteside, Nikhil Harry, some edge defenders, Charles Amenahu, Anthony Nelson, Chase Winovich, defensive tackle, Kingsley Kiki, Kalen Saunders. Those are the sort of dudes that, yeah, someone could throw a pick in either way, something on day three or pick swaps. But those are the sort of players that it kind of makes sense to go, hey, we need something, you need something. Let's get this done. 
He also could be, you know, we talked about it in the wide receiver discussion because when you mentioned Scotty Miller, it made me think about it. You know, we talked about Jordan Love and the quarterback room. He could also be a piece that's part of a package where maybe you send a second round pick and Greedy Williams to the Carolina Panthers for DJ Moore or something like that, where he's then packaged with a pick and saying, we're going to send you a starting level player and a pick for a guy we deem very important. You know, we talked a little bit about Calvin Ridley, uh, what he was going to do. We talked a little bit, you know, if we don't go out and get Russell Gage in the Falcons, you talk about Terry McLaurin, you talk about these guys. You, when you mentioned Scotty Miller, it made me think like, listen, he could also be a piece that's involved in a draft day trade where maybe you say, I'm going to give up a third round pick and greedy Williams to move up. There's plenty of scenarios, but your point is made is he becomes a valuable asset because he has proven starter level cornerback play and corners are at a premium in this league, as we know. And he was a former second round pick. Maybe you're not going to give him that big money. So you find some value from him and he, he might be looking to start and go, listen, I know I'm not better than Greg. I know I'm not better than Denzel. I want to go somewhere where I'm CB2. And you work it out. That's okay. Like, it's not like you're burning bridges on the way out. If you go to your coach and say, coach, I want to play. And they go, hey, if you don't mind, like, we're going to shop you in the league, find something for you. He'll go, hell yeah. Hell, find me somewhere, specifically in a dome where it's warm because we know greedy don't like the cold. We saw the building of the Browns where he had to scrape off the snow from his car. That man was in shock. And it's one that th- this stuff works. So don't, don't panic that, hey, why would they look to trade him? Because I would rather have a, a dude that's going to be defensive tackle three, edge three, who's going to play 40, 50% of snaps than Greedy Williams, who we hope plays 0% of snaps um, because of where he is on the roster and he's not in a rotation position. Um, so, yeah, it's just one to throw out there. And, hey, even if they don't draft a guy, the team have been really good at developing. And I'm going to throw out the next dude who I think could – really hit it on next year and that is aj green who pulls i was gonna tee you up udfa jack what was the percentage of top cornerbacks that came from the udfa market i think it was 25 percent i think it was 25 percent first round 25 percent undrafted free agent if i'm not mistaken which led yet yeah, led us into aj green who if everybody remembers he was a very high priority. You know, I think he was a projected fourth or a fifth round pick. He was a day three pick. And the Browns, once he hit the UDFA market, threw some serious cashola at him and said, hey, we would really like it if you brought your talents from Oklahoma State down here to, or I should say up here to Cleveland. Um, so yeah, they, they heavily pursued AJ Green in the UDFA market. They got him here and it's been paying off because AJ Green is slowly developing into a pretty solid boundary corner. Yeah, it's one I can't find the uh, the tweet. Um, but yeah, I remember you asking. It's it's a massive peak position. You're running backs, your cornerbacks. The league is horrendously bad at drafting your cornerbacks. So take flyers on them and just develop dudes because, um, yeah, if if they can find a guy, another AJ Green, then you're sat there going, hey, that third round pick that we were going to spend on a corner next season we don't need to spend now um, and you can then spend that money and pick somewhere else. So really, really big win for the team. Um, he's going to be great. He's, we've got so much control over him. Um, he's got another two years um, as an exclusive rights free agent. And then third year after that, we'll then restrict the free agent him at the moment because you're happily paying sort of 2 million for him to be your 
cornerback three outside, provided he continues playing the same way. Um, or you just work out a deal. Um, he might obviously want to compete and hang around, but potentially you go, hey, we're just going to keep hold of you. And if he, if he develops to such a good level, you work out an early deal. It sounds crazy to say, if you go into a three cornerback package, you could just move Ward inside. Um, and then you have AJ Green and Newsom on the outside. Obviously, that's a really positive projection of what he becomes. Well, we talked about it with Denzel Ward. AJ Green, 6'1", I think 200 pounds. So now all of a sudden, when we talk about Mike Williams, if, if AJ Green is performing, and I don't mean the receiver, obviously, I mean the court. If AJ Green is performing at a high level, you feel confident saying, you go guard Mike Williams. Denzel, you're on Keenan Allen. And now I got Greg Newsom going up against Jalen Guyton or whoever the other receiver, like we're matching obviously charges because AFC opponent, but like, that's what, when we talk about, and that's why I don't think that gentleman on Twitter that, you know, was talking about the cornerback at 13 is wrong where you need to have three corners. My big dispute is we don't need three first round corners, you know, and if you have AJ green and you're saying, Hey, I feel really good about that. And you make him a boundary because listen, where did the Packers move when we were in Lambeau? Devonte Adams scored that touchdown. Where did he move from outside? Where do you go right inside of the slot? So it's not like there's always your top receiver lining up outside in the boundary. So if you have the versatility to say, Hey, I'm going to bring AJ green in. I'm going to stick him on Alan Lazard. I'm going to take Denzel Ward. He's on Devonte Adams. And now I'm going to stick Greg Newsom, put him on the other side against Marquez Valdez Scantling. And I say, all right, now I got two safeties. I can cheat him over the top here. Like I've got JOK. So I've got like this mixed hybrid of a role. But now I'm going man on man right now. I'm saying you, me, let's go. And you're getting that type of performance from guys that have the flexibility. And that's why Denzel Ward is a $22 million quarterback cornerback, because he can do that because you can move him inside and I can then need to replace him on the outside. And if AJ green, I mean, listen, he played 176 snaps last year. Okay. In those 176 snaps, he graded out with a coverage grade of 90.3, 86.2 overall. He was targeted 22 times. So almost one, what was that? One eighth of the time that he's on the field, somebody's targeting him. And in those 20 ter, uh, 22 targets, he had five pass breakups in an interception. That, so that's pretty good. 25% of the time that he was targeted, he had a pass breakup. That's, that's pretty damn good. Now, smaller sample. We talked about this with the linebackers earlier in the week. When you have these roles for these guys to step in and they're able to perform in that, in that metric, then you start building a little bit. So next year, I can assure you, AJ Green's going to have more than 176 snaps. Just, That's what makes a guy like Grady Williams, you know, workable into a contract, uh, into a trade, I should say. Just take that pass interceptions plus, uh, pass breakups plus interceptions. Ward, nine. Newsom, eight. AJ Green, six. That's mad. That's that pretty is, good. That is insane. Out of three corners. Yeah. The fact so, that he's so close on so few snaps um, is a massive, massive testament. So, and, and with greedy, you're talking about seven pass breakups and two interceptions. So there's nine more. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy to think about when you think about it, you're talking about those three guys, nine, eight, nine, and six. It's almost why I think why the PFF uh, grade gave the Brown secondary. We're talking just corners, just corners. So it's, it's a really, really nice position in the room. Um, could they draft someone? Yeah, I'd say as early as the Quasi pick in the third round, they could draft someone because we potentially move Greedy on. Um, and then you're developing that guy to step up. 
you've got the other route of you can um, just carry six. Um, could easily be where they go. Um, but no, they're going to keep investing in the position. So don't be surprised if they move someone and it doesn't mean Greedy's gone, but it means they, they would sound out where Greedy's going because, hey, they're not set just yet to really take advantage of everything comp picks are going to offer. They've still got a bit of flexibility and free agency, so they'd probably look to trade. Also remember that if they do draft somebody, they may draft somebody that's a corner. They may not play corner. That's the thing about the NFL is you may take somebody in college that's a corner and say, that guy's going to be a really good free safety. Or if MJ Stewart leaves, right? And so all of a sudden, maybe MJ Stewart and Ronnie Harrison are gone. So now I have LeCount as my third safety. They may take a guy that has cornerback skills in college and say, we need to fill that MJ Stewart role. We need to get a backup corner slash safety. So just because, you know, a guy gets drafted with a title of CB and, you know, maybe the third round to your point, I would just, I can't see them using a top 100 pick on it. That's kind of my cutoff. And that's why you mentioned that Questy pick. I see them if they find somebody later in the draft, remember how Harrison Bryant was just kind of this oh my God, it's a fourth round. What the hell is this guy still doing on the board? If there's a corner in that position that they are like, I like what this guy has, they're going to bring him in. That's why I just can't see them using that top 50, top 100 on it, unless there's just a guy they really love that they see as a day one, 50% snap kind of guy coming out of that secondary in that hybrid safety corner role. There's this dude that he's a little older on the uh, guardrail, so won't appear in stuff I'm doing, but he's, Insane in his um, pick pump returning, um, but great at being cornerback as well. And that's Marcus Jones, um, who had a phenomenal year last year. He's been great in college. Um, comes up 76 on PFF's board. Um, 17th out of 885 cornerbacks last year. Fourth out of 562 the year before. Um, picked off five passes. Broke up... Um, 12 that's a kid out of houston right yeah um he, he's a little older he's not pensionable age but if 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 they're going to take a punt and jordan elliott is an outlier for the guardrails um in terms of their sort of where you'd expect them to be um at 22.7 um he he could potentially be one um, they could look at him as some massive playmaker, can do all the returning stuff, which then frees up um, some messy production that they've had there. Just going to throw it out there. Oh, absolutely. And when we talk about the six corner, remember how we talked about 10 DBs versus, you know, six wide receivers. Listen, wide receiver six, cornerback nine, or I should say DB nine, 10. These are all special teams guys. Like these are guys that they're going to draft specifically for a role on special teams, right? So if Mac Wilson walks, we're talking linebackers, we're talking about guys that are going to fill that role. You know, if Anthony Walker, you know, these are the guys that there's a certain percentage of snaps on special teams that they need guys as well. I mean, how Matthew Slater stayed in the NFL for how many years as a wide receiver playing very few snaps as an actual wide receiver. So don't always think that, you know, if they draft Marcus Jones at pick whatever it is. Don't think that they don't have a specific skill set for him in mind. That was, I think, kind of what people led to the Anthony Schwartz was we took this blazer in the third round. It's like, everybody's like, all right, well, we got Tyree Kill. And it's like, no, you got Miko Hardman, but you don't have Miko Hardman for two or three years because the number one thing they said about Schwartz coming out of college was he needs to learn how to play wide receiver. If all of a sudden I look at it and say, this Marcus Jones guy is a guy I like, we're going to start him on day one doing punts and kicks, and he's going to develop his cornerback sixth on our special teams unit. Well, then it makes sense. That's how you justify that pick. 
Yeah, and you, you then say, hey, in a year's time, we're not going to re-sign Troy Hill. That's going to be your spot. Go and earn it. Um, because he's 5'8". He's, he's no giant. Let's not pretend. Um, that then gives you a strong projection where you go, hey, we're going to move you in there. We've got AJ Green, who's going to be number three outside after Greedy moves on. We're now in a really good spot. And then, hey, there's only one spot open for the next three years. Um, and, and that could be mad to say. And he, say they, they add Jones, Greedy and Troy Hill play out of the year. You're sat here next season and we're talking about Greedy Williams has got five years left on his contract. Um, Newsom's got three years left. Um, AJ Green's got two years left. Marcus Jones has got three years left. There's your top four corners. And you're sat there in a really, really nice position full of young, high upside dudes. And you're going, hey, we had this good UDFA last year. who sat on the practice squad. We're going to elevate him next year. Yeah. And by Greedy Williams, you meant five years left on Denzel Ward. Oh, That's the one. I don't want you to get corrected by some of our people. But yeah, like I said, I think when we were talking about running it back on, this, on, the, uh, on the beginning of this podcast, I think you kind of knew that we were going to really focus on the guys that are in Berea uh, for this show because it's a crapshoot. I mean, guys, you can throw guardrails and mock draft corners to the cows come home. We don't know. I mean, we don't know. We're not inside that draft room. There's a lot of guys we like, and there's a lot of guys that are going to come off the board. And I just think when in terms of positional value right now, you just, the allocation of resources need to go into people that are going to play 50, 55, 60% of snaps, not people that are going to be battling with UDFAs for starting time, right? So you go out and draft a corner in the first round. It's like, all right, you have to go into camp against AJ Green. It's like, I don't know if that was the best use of a first round pick. What happens if AJ Green beats him out? Yeah. <laughs> you know, then, then what you've, you've drafted the guy from Clemson and his last name's Brooks. And you say, all right, hey, go into camp. And it's like, holy shit. AJ Green looks a lot better than him. Well, now you got a problem because you used your top 13 pick and you still have Jimmy Footslick rushing the passer outside of, you know, Miles Garrett. So that's just kind of where I think we're talking about allocation of resources, where if I'm going to take a guy at 13 and I'm still not convinced they're going to stay at that spot because we know the wizard is Andrew Barry. He's going to turn 13 into something else. So yeah, that's just where I see him going. Edge is a position where you rotate corners, not, not one you do that. So um, that's me. I've said all I'm going to say on corners and um, go Browns. I'm right up there with you. Go Browns. Uh, we'll be back next week. Jack, you want to preview the uh, the shows for next week before we jump? It's safeties. It will be the first one. And then it's going to be special teams slash conclusion with the second one. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll have a good chat. What's my heart talking about? Specialists. Dicker the kicker. Preview. Dicker the kicker. Your boy. Go Browns. Go Browns.